Hello, everyone, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. Of course, this is the show that uh, once lived on TSN 1050 for the last few years, but we're now doing a podcast here. Every week, we're going to be broadcasting from the beautiful Toronto Rock boardroom here at the Toronto Rock Athletic Centre, and it's going to be myself and uh, Kyle Davis, who will also be joining us. And uh, just before we bring Kyle into the show, just a little quick background on Kyle. He was actually... Drafted by the Toronto Rock in the 2011 draft, uh, came to training camp leading up to 2012. So he's uh, been around the block a little bit and is also now working with the Rock in an account executive position selling tickets. So you may be uh, dealing with Kyle on the phones here as well. So uh, Kyle, welcome to the show. I know this is a little bit new for you, but uh, excited to do this this year and get the... uh, player's perspective from you as well you also have the chance i'm sure to plug tickets a little bit as well while you're on here yeah for sure thanks a lot hammer looking forward to it and uh it is something new for me but uh like i said really looking forward to it and looking to get the ball rolling here all right so uh as we move into uh well week three for the toronto rock but i guess it's uh we're going into what week five in the nll season so the rock have already gone through a couple of bye weeks here uh, 2-0 and to start the season. Perhaps a little bit surprising to some people that the team is off to a 2-0 and start. But uh, we'll kind of wind things back a little bit to training camp. And obviously, uh, leading up to the season, Colin Doyle retires. Josh Sanderson retires. Uh, you can even look at Bill Greer decides to hang him up. Um, a big turnover. You have Rob Hellier, who's obviously not going to be around this season due to a torn ACL suffered in the summer. So, a lot of changeover, and the Rocks certainly make the commitment to go with the youth movement. Uh, training camp obviously went really well. The exhibition season went great as well. Um, you know, I want to kind of go back to your first training camp, actually. And, you know, you came into a training camp where the team was just coming off winning their sixth NLL title. You've got a ton of big names uh, still around the team, some veteran guys. Um, you know, spots probably weren't quite as open as they were coming into this training camp. Going back to your camp, do you think, you know, if you would have gone into a situation there, do you think it would have possibly gone a little bit differently for you or made that process a little bit easier if there was a a bunch of guys kind of your age all in a similar boat, you know, competing for spots and perhaps knowing a little bit more that maybe there was uh, something there for you at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, for sure, no doubt. Uh, it was, you know, coming out of junior, it, I was, it was an honor to get drafted by the organization, first of all. Um, going into camp, I knew it was going to be tough right from the get-go. As you mentioned, the team's coming off an NLL championship there. And personally, for me, if it's something I could take back, I, I kind of did go in there a, a bit starstruck. Um, you know, I, I grew up watching this team as well, uh, like many lacrosse players around in the area. And you go in there and you see the likes of Doyle and, and, and Shooter and, you know, Casey Behrens, guys that have been around the block for a while. And uh, coming off the championship, it was it was intimidating. Um, this year, though, like group of guys all coming in together, young guys, I think that's great personally. Um, they can kind of go through it together, learn, learn the way, learn uh, how the game's played at this level. And, uh, you know, there is still some veteran leadership here they can lean on. Guys like LeBlanc have played you know, many years before, had success in the league and uh, can definitely look to a guy like that to help you out when times are tough. But, uh, yeah, I would definitely agree with you that saying coming in with uh, a bunch of people at the same age like that would make it a little easier on uh, on myself, at least. Now, as we move through the training camp situation, you look at these U.S. guys that came in that uh, 
In some ways, I think we're looked at as uh, a bit of an experiment. And so far, I think uh, the early returns are is that the experiment has been amazing, really, in a lot of ways. You've got Connor Busick, who comes in as more of a detransition guy. But then you've got Kieran McCardle and Tom Schreiber that come in as kind of pure offensive guys. And, you know, early in the exhibition games, you could see them kind of trying to find their way. And it seemed like every single week they got better. And it looks like so far every single week in the regular season, too, these guys have gotten better. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, kudos to the organization for being patient with them. It would have been easy, um, you know, to come in and, and try and rush them or, or they weren't progressing maybe how they as fast as they would have liked necessarily early. But it is a, it is a transition from the field game down here to the box game. And uh, I think they've adapted real well, you know, put up some big goals late, uh, some big points when needed. A couple guys out of the lineup last week or against Saskatchewan there, or sorry, two weeks ago, I guess. Um, and they have just been improving, like you said, every time out there. And it, it's positive to see. And it could be a trend more teams around the league start looking into is, uh, you know, poaching some American guys, top end ball players down there and bringing them in. Yeah, and I know that's something that we've <clears throat> kind of talked a little bit about too is this patience thing, right? And the fact that, you know, I think in the past a lot of guys have, you know, maybe done the experiment, but, you know, there's obviously a cost involved in this too. You have to fly players in for practice and games and whatnot, whereas, you know, it's a little bit easier if you've got a guy that's experienced and can just come to practice every week, drive from home for an hour and a half, two hours or whatever if they have a longer drive to get here. But, um, you know, I do agree with you. I think this is going to be something that, you know, we could see a lot more of next year, and especially with expansion on the table here and the fact that, you know, in some cases, teams are going to need to find players. And I think the Rock were very much in that situation in the offseason in that, uh, you know, there was a lot of turnover. There had been some draft picks traded away over the last uh, few years, and the Rock management staff needed to find some bodies. And um, I had one person actually tell me the other day, they thought, you know, looking at our roster, that the way things have turned out, you know, it was almost as though the Rock had, you know, four first-round picks here. When you look at, uh, obviously, Challen Rogers coming in, in Latrell Harris, the way he's turned out, grabbing him in the second round as an 18-year-old, and then you look at McCardle and Schreiber, and then you can even throw Mikey McDonald into that mix as a guy who was drafted in the third round uh, two years ago, but um, realistically had his work situation and recent box across experience situation been a little bit different, there's a guy who probably would have been a high second round pick, maybe even a late first round pick. You never know. But um, so you look at this changeover and while the rock didn't have a lot of picks, they were able to grab guys in different ways. So I think this could become, like you say, a little bit of a trend going forward in the fact that some teams could begin to uh, take this route. And especially with expansion, I mean, you look at the way these guys have come in, but like you said, it would have been very easy to just cast these guys off right away. So, you know, you hope that, uh, the patience factor comes in there and that uh, some more of these American players get a chance because, you know, we want to grow the game. It needs to grow in the U.S. There's going to be an expansion probably in the U.S. You know, people in the U.S., fans of lacrosse, need players that they can identify with too and guys that they've watched grow up and hopefully inspire younger guys to get involved in the indoor game. And, uh, you know, hopefully that's something that starts to transpire and it could end up being a Canadian team out of, a, out of all this that ends up starting that trend. Yeah, for sure. And just to touch back on uh, the Americans there that we were mentioning, um, kudos to the staff for, for identifying those players. Um, 
obviously, like you mentioned, there is a cost to to bringing them in to practices, to camps and whatnot. But in terms of assets, uh, didn't have to give up anything. They're coming in on a free look, which I think is huge. Like you mentioned, uh, a couple picks were traded away. So it was good to kind of replenish the system for free, essentially, asset-wise. Um, and then, obviously, you've seen the benefits of them working out on the floor. Um, so I, I think the staff did a great job identifying uh, some key ball players, And they... If I'm not mistaken, we're uh, respectively uh, the two, uh, McCardle and Schreiber, more so uh, the MVP and Rookie of the Year down there in the MLL, correct? Yeah, so I mean, Schreiber was coming off his uh, MVP season. McCardle had been uh, Rookie of the Year in the league a, a few years previous, but had been had become basically a perennial top scorer in the league. So there's two guys that obviously had a ton of skill, and I think that's going to be obviously. Um, maybe a little bit of the I guess issue or task I guess that these teams will be charged with will be finding the guys who number one want to make the commitment to get better because that's something for sure that we've seen here in training camp and through the early part of the season from Busick, Schreiber, and McArdle. I mean something some people may not know but I mean you know Schreiber and McArdle were coming up here early before camp to work out and get in some reps and and get some time in with Josh Sanderson and Blaine Manning and and start to learn the nuances of the game and you know if you're going to be an American player coming into this uh, league you are going to have to make those types of commitments in terms of putting in that extra time to get better on your own because you know with the limited amount of time that training camp is you've only got you know, a couple of sessions really probably before you get into an exhibition game. And those sessions really are only 90 minutes to two hours. So it's a very, very tight timeline for these guys to start to learn the game and get involved and figure it out, basically, how to play box. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of rock players uh, since I've been around the team, especially 2011 was my first uh, season working with the team. Eric Law has been the only guy, the only other guy to come in here and super talented, wowed everybody in training camp, looked great, um, you know, but unfortunately it, things just didn't work out here with him. He had trouble making that transition to the box game and super skilled player, um, amazing guy, has had a cup of coffee since then with the Colorado Mammoth uh, trying to crack uh, the roster there but it's it's a difficult thing to make that transition and unfortunately with Eric you know he was still living in Denver and he was coming uh, back and forth to Toronto but just uh, you know it just was something that didn't work out here and I think there will be some experiments that work out and some that don't going forward and right now uh, the Toronto Rock are pretty lucky in some ways but also this was pretty calculated really from the beginning in terms of that extra time commitment they put in and definitely identifying some guys that uh that wanted to put in that extra bit of work but uh enough about the american guys because that's all everybody loves to talk about right now we'll uh we'll we'll touch on them i'm sure uh, as the show goes on here but uh we do want to talk about how the team's done in the first couple of games and the game against rochester I mean, we were we were kind of, I feel like, given a little bit of a tease through the preseason of how this team was going to play, that they were going to be fast. But obviously, you're not really getting the full scope of things when you're going through training camp and exhibition games. There's guys in and out of the lineup. But that Rochester game, I think, for everybody, was certainly an eye-opener to the way that uh, this team was going to play. And maybe you can speak to this. I mean, you played uh, your junior days against Matt Sawyer when you were playing for the Brampton Excelsiors. You know, can you see any kind of similarities in terms of the way those teams played and the way that he's got the Rock playing now? Oh, yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, playing Orangeville back in the day, it was always uh, 
you know, they're a great transition. They were fast and they worked real hard. Um, they took pride in obviously every shift they someone went out there and uh, there was a purpose to everything they did and that game in Rochester I was watching it on the NLL network uh, there NLL TV sorry and uh, the thing that stuck out to me and it was very similar about Orangeville their transition game as soon as uh, you know shot was taken save was made people were breaking Damon was flying up the floor um, you know Latrell was flying up the floor and uh, you could tell Rochester couldn't really stop it uh, obviously there was some offensive goals you know Bearns uh had a big night Hickey had a big night but uh, a couple of those if I recall were coming off the bench in transition not from set formations and like I said I think they killed Rochester on the transition that night and it showed it with a 12-5 win absolutely and uh you know you think back to the way this team has been built over previous years and you know what we saw in Rochester, I think was truly the beginning of a new identity. And I think that's been kind of shaped from management and the coaching staff on down. And it's something that uh, kind of had, had to happen. There was a page that was turned with those guys, you know, basically Doyle and Sanderson retiring. Those are two pretty massive uh, pieces to the puzzle when you have those two guys step away. And then you have a guy like Rob Hellier, who I think is probably just uh, itching to get back in there right now and play this style of game because you know, Rob Hellier, I mean, speed, speed, speed is his game as well. He's got a big shot, but he is one real fast player. And I think he's a guy that uh, when he gets back, I mean, you'd know firsthand as well playing against him that, uh, you know, he's a guy that's probably, you know, we're probably not going to see it till 2018 unless, you know, we can, we don't want to start talking playoffs yet here. <laughs> that's the, uh, the nasty word maybe right now, but um, you know, he's a guy that I think is going to thrive in this system and playing under Sawyer as well in the future here in Toronto. Oh, yeah, for sure. A lot of familiarity, like you said. Uh, you know, they have the ties in Orangeville there. and you know, They were Ontario Finals, Mintos. You know, they were there every year. They were a solid contender, and, and he was a big part of it um, ever since I, you know, grew up kind of playing against him or even now watching him in the NLL. He's always been at the top of the leaderboards stats-wise. Uh, like you said, lethal shot. Uh, really was probably going to be the cog of the offense again was the plan this year and uh, unfortunate injury of course Um, but the one thing I did notice in the Saskatchewan game just to touch back on that was scoring by committee Um, you know there wasn't too many like there wasn't the big night had by one individual in particular but uh, you know a goal here and a goal there a goal from the back end everyone up front chipping in uh, whether it be one goal or a couple assists or whatever and and I thought the spread out of the scoring was huge in that game and obviously essentially propelling us to the win in the end it was tighter than maybe we wanted it to be down the stretch but uh like I said I thought the uh the spread out of the wealth was uh, very noticeable that night. Yeah, and uh, you know we're we're gonna have a few different guests on the program today, but I do once we get uh, into them, I'd love to chat with them a little bit about this, but also with you. But the you know the uh, the power plays in the second half of that game against Saskatchewan, I mean. To some degree, I think, you know, that made the game a lot closer than it really was. I think the score was a lot closer than the game was, especially the way the Rock dominated the first half of the game. But I think the power plays really opened the door for them. But um, the other thing I wanted to touch on real quick was the start that the Rock had to the game. And that's, you know, a a charged up young group of guys coming into play in the Air Canada Centre for the first time in their careers so many of them getting in the lineup for the first time. You know, you had Reed Reinholdt and Phil Caputo. Um, Reinholdt playing his first ever NLL game. Caputo getting into his second. But, you know, two weeks ago, these guys probably didn't think they were going to be playing. But due to a couple of injuries, 
um, a suspension to Dan Lindner. Suddenly these guys are in the lineup, but Mikey McDonald scoring 10 seconds into the game. I mean, it's it probably, I feel like to some of those guys, probably felt like a three-goal lead. I feel like getting that first goal, getting that goal in Saskatchewan, and I think just the way that Mikey scored that goal with his speed, with coming off the bench, just cutting right through, taking that pass through the middle, going to the net, and burying that first shot, I think that goal was massive in my mind. I think, you know, if you give up the first one to Saskatchewan, even though it's only one goal, you're going up against the back-to-back defending champions, and you kind of don't know what's coming now. I feel like that that was just an absolutely massive goal to start things off. For sure. I uh, I agree. I was actually coming out of the bottom there, and th- like you said, it was 10 seconds in. I didn't even get to see the goal that happened that quick <laughs> from the initial face-off there. So I uh, heard the crowd roar, and yeah, a bunch of young guys, like you mentioned, getting their first action in at the Air Canada Centre. I think that would be a huge weight off. Like M- Mikey's back, for instance, getting an early one, get him engaged, get him involved in the game, feeling good about his game early, and uh, other guys just follow. Um, like you said, Saskatchewan back-to-back defending champions, and still obviously a lot of turnover, but one of those years were against the Rocks, so anytime you get to kind of give it back to them a bit, I'm sure it feels good for the guys involved there and the organization. Um but yeah, like you said, those power plays down the second half of the game there that really made the game tighter. Uh, you can't like the ref was making the calls, obviously, but uh, they have a pretty lethal power play themselves. Guys like Matthews, Knight, Church, and whatnot, and and eventually they're going to drop drop a couple goals when given the situation. So they, it did bring the game closer. But I did think Toronto just dominated from you know take away the third quarter maybe power plays wise, but uh, they had three real great quarters of lacrosse here and really gave it to Saskatchewan in my opinion. So a fantastic win for the Rock to push them to 2-0 and on the season. Um, we'll quickly touch on uh, this game coming up this week. We'll set the stage here. The Rochester Nighthawks in town against the Toronto Rock. Uh, game time is 7 o'clock at Air Canada Centre. There are still tickets available for the game Saturday night. Not a ton of them in the lower bowl, but there are still uh, plenty of seats available in the upper bowl. And of course, students can get tickets for... Uh, $16. I should be letting you do the plug for this part, but uh, we'll, we'll dive deeper into tickets as we go along as well. But uh, we are going to uh, take a quick pause here for a moment because our first guest, as, as we said off the top of the show, we're actually recording the show in the boardroom at the Toronto Rock office here at the Toronto Rock Athletic Center. So if we, if we were to look out to our left, we're looking, or to my left actually, Kyle, if he's looking straight out, he's seeing the turf here at the Toronto Rock Athletic Center. And behind him and to my right, is the office, and uh, right now there's still stuff going on in the office right now. Our first guest, Nick Rose, is standing by working on his uh, Twitter game, as he's always working on it. But uh, we're going to take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access, get Rosie set up, and we'll be back in two seconds. All right, welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock here with uh, Kyle Davis, and we're now joined by Nick Rose, goaltender with the Toronto Rock. Rosie, how's things going? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on, guys. You are our first guest on the show, by the way. That's a pretty big honor. Huge, huge honor, actually. <laughs> but before we get into talking lacrosse, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers? Really? Now, are we going to do this, Mike? Are we really going to do now, this right now? As everyone knows, or people may know, I'm a big Pittsburgh Penguins fan. The Penguins... And Steelers were kind of doing a lot of little co-promotion on Sunday. It was a big day because the Penguins played the Bruins. Steelers played New England. So it was kind of like, you know, the, the Penguins took care of business in the afternoon. 
What happened at night? I don't I don't remember. I heard something about it, Rosie. What happened at night? I honestly don't remember either. <laughs> no, the Steelers just got outplayed the entire game. They weren't even in the in the game to begin with. Do you think that you jinxed it all by not betting on them? Because I know I saw on Twitter you said <laughs> I never bet on my team, it always comes back to bite me, and then do you think your lack of confidence in your squad may have played into their demise on Sunday. It may have, but like I said, every time I bet on them, I seem to lose. Like I bet Damon Edwards earlier in the year, a Twitter picture bet uh, against the Ravens, and Baltimore somehow won that game and really came back to sting me. So I didn't want that happening again. I kind of saw the writing on the wall, I think, this weekend. That's good. That's, that's safe. So in the future now, you will be betting on your team, I guess. I guess so. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. <laughs> All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll dive into some lacrosse talk here now. Uh, obviously, the team uh, is off to a 2-0 start, uh, you know, going into training camp and uh, especially after the season that this team went through last year. Did you think that something like this, this start, was possible when you were going through training camp? Yeah, of course. I think we all thought that it was possible. I mean, coming off last year, we all obviously knew that um, – the expectations were maybe a little bit different coming in this season. We, uh, it, it was pretty important for us to kind of show good si- signs of becoming a good team uh, throughout camp and to start the season. But, um, yeah, like I, I, I definitely think that we all were thinking that we want to get a couple wins under our belts to start the year. But the NOL can kind of be pretty crazy sometimes, so it's hard to predict wins. Now you look at, uh, you know, there's been changes on the floor, changes off the floor. Matt Sawyer is a guy that uh, you played for, obviously, in junior. You've played for him in the summer now with the Oakville Rock as well. Um, what's his influence meant to this team here so far? Yeah, I think uh, I think you can see that from our first two games. Just um, He's really stressing, kind of pushing the ball in transition. That's going to have to be our identity, clearly. Yeah. Um, He's pretty good with some with younger players, I, I believe, and uh, even with Oakville Rock, uh, when he came in, he kind of turned things around right away just to have the younger guys play a little bit differently. But, yeah, I think uh, I think he's not kind of afraid to make mistakes, and that's kind of paid off for us in our first two wins. Now, you guys, uh, I mean, previously there was the Rock Pile. Now there's, I'm calling it the Palace, but we'll call it the new Rock Pile, Rock Pile 2. What are we calling it? 2.0. So you're living now with Bradley Cree, Jordan Magnuson, Challen Rogers. So new group, all pretty young guys. Bradley Cree has been around the league a little bit, but you've got Jordan Magnuson and Challen Rogers, new guys to the league. Um, what's it been like living with a new group and some younger guys again? Like you're kind of the old guy now, not, not even in that group, I guess. You're kind of one of the old guys on the team now. Yeah, it's pretty crazy how quickly that <laughs> happened. Um, yeah, obviously with Colin and Josh <laughs> retiring in the off season, our kind of average age went up or, or went down a little bit. So I'm definitely on the older side of things. Um, living with the, with the young rookies, um, it reminds me of my first uh, year or two in the in the league, playing in Boston and living there with uh, some of the older vets. So um, I, I've definitely taken on I think the dad role in the house. Uh, <laughs> Brad's pretty good at uh, chipping in here or there with cleaning and staying on top of the guys, make sure they do their laundry and all that. So uh, it's been fun, though. They're a good group of guys, and uh, 
yeah, we spend a lot of time together, so we all kind of uh, are comfortable with each other now. So back to uh, back to lacrosse talk here on the floor. We got sidetracked a little there, but back to action on the floor. I mean, uh, obviously a great start in Rochester. You only gave up five goals. Um, and then the second game, uh, you know, they, they put up 11, but I think like we've already talked about on the show here, the power play kind of, I think, uh, made that score a little bit closer than the game actually was. But, uh, you know, what's working for you personally so far this season? I mean, uh, the defense probably bigger, stronger, faster than it was uh, in recent years is something easy to see maybe on the surface. But what's changed for you between the pipes on a game by game basis here? Um, been seeing the ball pretty well since training camp. Um, yeah, I think that, I think our defense has definitely given up the shots that I like to see a bit more outside and kind of not letting guys get right on top of me, which uh, is obviously pretty difficult with some of the athletes we have in this league. So I think I, collectively we've kind of uh, we've kind of got our swagger back a little bit that we were missing last year, and now we kind of have that confidence where. Like I said before about Maddie, like the the rest of us aren't uh, as afraid to make mistakes as we were last year. Yeah, just uh, you, you were mentioning Maddie there earlier, and uh, you know how the defense tightened up, and uh, this year in comparison to last year, giving you shots that you like to see more. Uh, could you just touch a little bit on Bruce Cod's uh, influence on that coming over from Calgary, the coach in the back end there, and what he's meant to the squad early? Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's clear you can see that he's kind of a man with a plan. He uh, he knows exactly how he wants us to play, and he wants us to be aggressive, but almost uh, kind of a con- controlled aggressiveness. And uh, yeah, it's paid off. Obviously, the transition game in both in a transition uh, portion of both games has been huge for us to kind of score that many goals at the back end goes a long way, especially with us being out with uh, being without a couple of our better old guys. So um, yeah, they uh, they're trying to kind of teach. Uh, as we go here but they also uh, have high expectations for each guy in the back end so second time around uh coming up against rochester here and i'm always curious about this but who who kind of has the advantage second time around is it the opposition like you know is it the offensive guys that are shooting on you is it the goaltender um especially given the fact that the Rochester lineup that you faced a couple of weeks ago could be very different uh, than the one you face here on Saturday night, but um, also the fact that they had a lot of young guys in the lineup too, probably seeing you for the first time at the pro level anyways. Um, who does have that advantage the second time around? Um, it's hard to say who has the advantage. I mean, I think in general and then all, the home team usually has an advantage. Um, obviously, us getting that win on the road in the first game is going to go a long way for us. Um yeah, I don't know. Their their offensive lineup is definitely going to look a, li- a little better than it did in that first game. So our job's going to be a bit more difficult uh, to try and keep the balls out of our net. And we're going to watch some video here tonight and practice uh, and prepare for them. So we'll uh, we'll give it our best shot Saturday. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think their lineup's going to be a lot tougher to play against so we we have to be ready yeah and if uh we can kind of fill in the blanks a little bit on that lineup uh situation i mean cody jameson moved to the evaluation period list last week likely i would think that he might be back in the lineup on saturday night and also dan dawson who has been out for the last couple of weeks due to personal reasons but we might have some inside track here <laughs> yeah there Katie. was uh uh, a family member of the Dawson clan was actually in the office this week purchasing some tickets and uh, 
may have hinted that Dan Dawson may be back in the lineup this weekend uh, for the Rochester Nighthawks, which would obviously be a big boost for them after a tough loss last weekend. They could have used his, uh, you know, his leadership out there and offensive ability on the floor by the looks of things. But uh, another guy that just might be back in the lineup for Rochester and, and someone to watch out for. Yeah, we got the official word from Rochester here uh, this afternoon before we uh, started recording that uh, he may be back at any time which I think when you read between the lines means he's going to be back on Saturday. So that will make uh, preparation a little bit different uh, for the Toronto Rock coming into this game coming up. But uh, one thing before we let you go, Rosie, I did want to talk to you about because you have a hat on with the new NLL logo. There's obviously been a ton of changes uh, off the floor with the National Lacrosse League coming into their 31st season. Um, what do you think about all the changes? Is there something that sticks out uh, more to you that has kind of gone on in the offseason here that uh, gives you more hope for this league in the future? And uh, do you like the new logo? You know what? I do. It's growing on me. I think I think right off the bat, I kind of looked at it and, and kind of thought, uh, well, I wasn't really sure what to think about it, actually. But, uh, yeah, every time I see, uh, see the logo, especially with colors in it, uh, it de- it's definitely growing on me. I think it's uh, kind of sharp, and it, it definitely kind of gives us hope with the rebranding, kind of that we're heading in the right direction. I know the commissioner's uh, said said many times he's talking with uh, some new cities to get some more teams in the league. We've got more than enough talent uh, that are that isn't currently playing in the league to kind of make some more teams work. So hopefully, we kind of keep on this path and uh, and keep building this league up. All right, Rosie. Well, sounds good. Uh, thanks a lot for being our first guest on the brand new Toronto Rock Total Access podcast. And of course, uh, you can see Rosie in action on Saturday night at Air Canada Centre as the Rock take on the Rochester Nighthawks. Uh, Rosie, thanks again, and I'm sure we will do this again soon. Hopefully not. <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> we'll see you. Wow, ringing endorsement. All right, so that was Nick Rose of the Toronto Rock. We're going to take a short break, get reset. Uh, Toronto Rock owner, president, and general manager Jamie Dowick will be stopping by shortly here. We'll have more on Toronto Rock Total Access in a couple of moments. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access, the podcast. I'm Mike Hancock here with Kyle Davis, and we now welcome into the beautiful studio here at the Toronto Rock Athletic Centre, a.k.a. the boardroom at the Rock office, Jamie Dowick. Uh, Jamie, welcome to the program. Well, thanks for having me. Unfortunately, you weren't the first ever guest on the podcast. Nick Rose beat you to it. Yeah, Rosie. Yeah. Um, well, I'm getting to admire your nice uh, new equipment here. <laughs> Yes, we got some new gear to make this podcast uh, happen, so I guess I have to thank you for that as well. Well, Money well spent. Let's go. (laughs) All right, so uh, the team's obviously uh, off to a great start, a lot of excitement, optimism, all that kind of stuff around the team. Uh, We started off by asking Rosie this, and I want to ask you too. um, You know, through training camp, a great great month of December, three wins on the exhibition side of it, but a great training camp – did you think that this team was capable of this start? Um, well, I, I think training camp, I mean, the result, the, the three wins in training camp at the end of the day really mean nothing. It was more about, you know, we liked what we were seeing in training camp and the team was starting to come together over the, over the process. And, um, 
you know, we knew we knew it was important to get off to a good start. I mean, obviously, yeah. Well, in, in the past, we have we have been a quick starting team, and then that's gone on to benefit us a lot. Last year, obviously, that wasn't the case. So, um, you know, it's been a weird start to the season. Four weeks in, only playing two games, but obviously, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to say shocked, but um, you know, pleasant uh, pleasant. You know, very happy with the results so far. So even when you look down a little bit further and you, you drill down a little bit further into this, you know, you, you look at guys like Josh Anderson and Colin Doyle retiring last year, but then also you look at, we've talked about it on the show, but Hellier being out with injury, and then you add in, you know, Hickey and Lintner not playing as well in game number two. Um, maybe that result against Saskatchewan was even, you know, you don't want to say shocking necessarily, but... Again, maybe pleasantly surprised is the term, but going into that game against Saskatchewan with the lineup that was going in, um, I guess on the other side of it, how great was it to see that guys like Reed Reinhold stepped up, guys like Phil Caputo, guys that were in here, um, stepped into those roles, filled in and made a contribution in a game where you're going in against the back-to-back defending champions with what on paper looks like a kind of a light roster. Yeah, and you, you missed LeBlanc there too. That's uh, right. That's tough. Yeah. It, it, listen, uh, you know, next guy up, and 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 it's all about opportunity in this league, and with there being nine teams and limited jobs, you know, it's all about a player getting an opportunity and then taking advantage of it. And and yeah, we had probably a few more guys in the lineup that, you know, we, we would like to have a few of our, our regular guys and Steph and Hick Hick being there for sure, and and. Um, but it is what it is, and, and you know, no one's going to feel sorry for you, and, and, you know, a loss doesn't feel any any uh, better because, you know, you're playing guys and whatever. Um, you know, Saskatchewan is, you know, in my opinion, they're the best team in this league. There's no doubt about it, and, um, you know, we, we didn't catch them on their best night. We got off to a great start um, and, and jumped on them, and, and kind of held on so yeah you know I think when you beat that team you've got to you've got to be pretty satisfied with it because uh you know they're two-time defending champs for a reason and I'm sure they'll be there right at the end this year and uh you know I'm proud I'm proud of all the guys and 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 the kids that stepped up and and yeah not only stepped up themselves but they're stepping up and playing with a lot of other inexperienced guys so it's not like they're stepping up and they got you know Robbie or Steph or you know Hick to fall back on you know there was the only guy who, that's really been a regular for this team before on the offensive end in the game was Casey so um you know the, the guys did a good job they all did their part and you know some timely goals and and a big more most importantly a big win and what, one thing I wanted to ask you about, Jamie, we uh, we kind of touched on it earlier in the show here, is the, the Americans. And uh, just wanted to get your opinion on how important it was to be patient with them coming into training camp and allowing them to kind of learn the box game still on the fly here and uh, really giving them a, a great opportunity here. And I think they've early at least shown, you know, they're, ball, they're ball players they can play, and I expect them to get better throughout the year. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was just kind of a – perfect opportunity for both sides really I mean as much as uh you know maybe this was an opportunity for them to win a job and come in here you know we needed them too and and um I, you know I would say from day one um you know they they've exceeded expectations and and they, they've grown very rapidly 
uh, in my obviously I've seen so much development um, you know since we first saw them show up here and and it's only going to get better and uh, you know I think they're both pretty special players and uh, the, you know the, you see what they do out there so they've they've been they've they've been great um, or you know we're fortunate to have them and, and they've they've helped ease they really helped ease the whole transition here of of losing you know Colin and, and shoot to retirement and and Robbie to his injury and you know they, they without them I you know we we'd be in a different situation right now so um you know it's worked out as well as it can so far and and I agree with you I only expect them both to get to get better I mean they've they've realistically played three exhibition games and, and two pro games that's their their box career so uh i i think you see them getting more comfortable out out there on the floor you know there's times for me in that last game where tom's kind of taken over the game offensively and uh you know i'm sure that i know the ball's not falling as much as he'd like to yet but that that'll come you know that'll that'll come with time and 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 if that if that ha- starts to happen a little more you know look out do you think that uh, the Toronto Rock have kind of set a trend here that there could be some other teams that uh, take the calculated gamble, we'll call it, and uh, show some patience and and maybe try to integrate some more Americans into their lineup? Well, I mean, you don't have a lot of time to show patience here. I mean, let's let's be honest here. These guys, you know, they both earned their spot on this team, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a project. We we don't have the 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 roster depth or the time or anything to uh you know work guys through i mean they they were going to be on this team they had to come in and they had to help us win and they had to contribute and, and they did that from the get-go so um you know as far as yeah it's not it's not a, it's not a it hasn't been something normally that um you know toronto has done fortunate enough that there's you know enough players kind of living in our backyard um that we've been able to uh you know sign local guys and and not have to deal with that but the reality is this year was was a really bizarre year you know losing shoot Colin and, and Robbie essentially you know created a lot of holes and um you know we didn't just throw darts at a piece of paper and land on Schreiber and McArdle and, and Busick for that matter who we haven't seen I mean you know these were these were uh you know calculated uh risks and and um you know, like I said, it's so far so good. So as we uh, look forward to this Saturday <clears throat> against the Rochester Nighthawks, uh, obviously a, a huge game early on in the season. And as we've talked about a little bit, uh, you know, every game really does truly matter in this league. Every week is a huge week and uh, in some ways can go a long ways to defining your season. Um, talk about how big this game is this weekend and getting that tiebreaker and you know continuing to build the confidence of this team well it's huge um huge game uh you know it's it, it is game number two out of uh three games versus rochester and we were you know we obviously got the first one so if you get one more you you take a tiebreaker so that's huge division game you know early in the season team feels good right now you don't want to lose any momentum for sure um you know, like I said, we were on the flip side of this last year, losing tiebreakers to Rochester and Georgia, you know, both within the first six weeks of the season and, and being 0-6 and basically down, 
you know, with the tiebreakers to those teams, we were, we, we were in kind of a bad, well, we were in a bad spot. So, uh, yeah, every game's important. Um, the most important game to us is, is this weekend against Rochester. And, and um, you know, we, we clearly know what's at stake here and, and what's going on. So time to put the work in and, and, and get it done. Now, Jamie, you mentioned the, uh, like, you know, the team transitioning from two pretty very, very important guys to the organization and Josh and Colin there. And uh, I just wanted to get your opinion on, you know, Brody wearing the C now. You got Steph and Chappie with the A's and how, how the, I guess you could say, new leadership group has uh, has taken over so far and how the guys have adapted and reacted to that change. That's ever, ever, everything's been very seamless. Um, you know, Brody and Colin are, are very different captains. Um, you know, both awesome captains. Um, you know, but they just—they're different people, and and the way they, uh, you know, lead and communicate with the team is, is just different. So, um, it, you do notice a change there. But you know, Brody's Brody's a guy who kind of, you know, not that Colin didn't, but Bro, Brody's not as vocal. More more a guy, um, you know lead by example out there and and on that side not to say Colin wasn't but it's been great you know Chappie's been a been an assistant with our team I I think since I've owned the team so um you know and Chappie's Chappie I mean you know no one works harder out there than him and and uh you know he's got a lot of respect from a lot of players in our room and, and around the league as well and and uh, you know, Steph's Steph's new to our assistant side of it and hasn't had a chance to play in a game yet. So, um, but you know, Steph's Steph's been here with me since day one, and and, and he he's a he's a you know been a leader on this team for a while now. Is, is definitely one of them, and and will be for the future to come. So, um, I, our 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 team's so different than it was last year. Just the makeup of it. Not just Americans, a lot of rookies, a lot of young kids. This has always been a very veteran team. So, um, you know, they're coming together great, real tight locker room, which I, I really like to see. I think that goes a long way, and uh, um, I, I, I like the direction. Can you also say that this is actually a, a super – exciting time to be a fan of the Toronto Rock just with so many young guys and the ability I think uh, you know my personal thought on it is as a fan you've got the opportunity now to kind of latch on to a lot of young guys that you might see play for this team for 10 years and really fall in love with but you know just wanted to get your take on you know is, is in your mind is this kind of maybe the most exciting time maybe since the team started to be a fan of the Toronto Rock well, it is exciting, um, you know, with the amount of youth and, and how everything's, you know, looking so far. Like, let's 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 not get too far ahead of ourselves here. You know, we're not raising any cups or anything. I mean, we are two weeks into a season, and and for us, two games in, and you know, one loss, one one win will be great, one loss will be terrible. Um, but it is exciting. I, I like I like what we're playing. I like the way we're playing, and I and I think it's an exciting brand to look across. I love I love our back you know my focus is is to build this team from the back end out I think that's how you win championships in this league I think that's how you win championships in sport and it's nothing to take away from the offense because the offense has to be good but that that that's my mentality and my philosophy and that's what we're trying to do here and we believe you know we've got the goal you know we believe we've got multiple goalies but we believe we got the guy in Rosie there and and uh you know with the guys that are have returned and and the infusion of the youth there and 
and and the transition game and and that's what we want to do and that's how we want to play and you know not just run it's not just running it's stopping the ball and running you know we want to we want to be a tough team to play against defensively and then when we get that ball from you you know we're going and and we're going with a lot of athletes a lot of guys that can get down the floor and put the ball in the net and that takes the pressure off the offense and and um so i i, I like the, the 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 mix of that and yeah and yeah most of them are pretty young so if they can continue to develop and and continue to grow you know there is a chance that you could see you know a big core number of of players on this team around here for for a long time to come so quickly before we let you go uh <clears throat> obviously lots of news off the floor as well uh in the off season with the national lacrosse league uh probably too much stuff to dive into necessarily here but is there any one thing that truly has you excited about the nll's future one thing not specifically i i like nick's direction and and um you know, I've said this before, I wasn't really in the process, uh, you know, I wasn't one of the guys involved in the process of, of going out and finding someone, but um, I do think we hired the right guy in Nick Sakevich, and, and I think he's come into this league, and, you know, since he's come in here, I've seen more stuff done um, than I have, you know, since, I, since I've owned the team, so that's exciting. And, um, you know, we need some things to, you know, er everything we've talked about are kind of coming together and you see all different areas growing and, you know, we need to continue with that. And, and, um, you know, I like the effort put in there. I I like the direction there. So hopefully, you know, some of these other things are going to come to fruition. And, and, you know, I know these guys are working very hard at it and, and this is very important to them. And, and that gets me excited, you know, the growth of the league, um, you know, to, to go from nine teams and, and grow. And, and I think growth um, brings legitimacy and, and a lot of things, and I'm really excited for that. And um, I'm still buying in, and, and, I, and I like the direction of that. So that would be the biggest thing I'm excited about there. Okay, well, we've got to wrap things up with you here. Uh, I know we'll uh, probably have you on uh, frequently here on the program, but uh, thanks for joining us on the first episode of the Toronto Rock Total Access podcast, and uh, we know it's practice night here as we're recording, so still some work to do this evening before we get ready for Saturday night, but uh, of course, uh, looking forward to that game Saturday night. So, Jamie, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, we're going to take a short break here again on Toronto Rock Total Access and back in a moment to wrap up the show. Back to wrap up Toronto Rock Total Access, the first uh, podcast here of the new season. And uh, we do want to tee up the game a little bit here this Saturday night, the Toronto Rock and the Rochester Nighthawks. Now, we've mentioned a couple of times that uh, we think there's a good chance that we're going to see Cody Jamison in the lineup. Funny story, sort of, not really. But I was down in Buffalo on Saturday night for the Buffalo-Vancouver game, was riding up the press elevator with Jody Gage of the Rochester Nighthawks. And he kind of looked at me and I said, oh, I see Cody's been moved to the uh, to the evaluation period list. Is there a chance we're going to see him in Toronto on Saturday? And he uh, gave me the politically correct answer and said they've got 14 days to evaluate him. But I, I read through it. I saw in his eyes 
I think Cody Jamison's going to be in the lineup on Saturday night here at the Air Canada Centre. So that's going to be a big one. So we've gotten the inside sort of on Cody Jamison. We've got the inside sort of on Dan Dawson. So uh, I don't think we're really going out on a limb here disclosing anything that's uh, should be kept off the record, so to speak. But I think there's a good chance we're going to see both these guys in the lineup. So that is going to definitely be a bit of a different look. Uh, Dan Dawson, of course, did play the first game of the season against the Rock uh, back on December the 29th. Didn't uh, didn't have his best game, I think that's for sure. One that uh, I think he'd probably like to have back in some regard. But um, coming up, uh, obviously, it's going to be a tougher matchup, especially if Cody Jamison's back in the lineup. He's a guy that... Uh, definitely stirs the drink i think for that team and gets them going and is is probably their best player i think without uh kind of going too far maybe some people might uh, argue matt vince is their guy but uh i think it's pretty safe to say cody jameson's kind of the guy there so uh your thoughts on uh this game coming up against the rochester nighthawks obviously a big one the rock can get the tiebreaker here which is huge um but your thoughts here of cody jameson and dan dawson are back in the lineup against the rock yeah, I think it's huge. If you look at uh, you know the offense they threw out last week against Saskatchewan, and you can plug in Dawson now back on the right side, Jamison back on the left side, two uh, two lethal offensive weapons that with a lot of experience, a lot of pedigree in this league, put up some big numbers. Stepping back into the lineup, and they'll be looking for a win. Uh, you know, what, obviously Toronto took it to them in their home opener. There, they're coming off a tough loss last week in Saskatchewan's home opener and the division games are huge like you said to uh, to wrap up the tiebreaker with Roch this early in the season would be very beneficial for Toronto and uh, and I'm sure Rochester doesn't want to let that happen and I think that's a big thing that you know us working for the Toronto Rock I think you know when we're trying to sell the product I guess you can say it's probably pretty cliche or people don't believe it when you say every week is huge like every week realistically is huge you only have an 18 game season um, but when you look at this and for the opportunity that's sitting here this weekend for the Toronto Rock, to go to 3-0 and on one hand is is massive. To beat Rochester twice in their first three games, so up the tiebreaker, they're like, this is massive. This is one of those things where you look back probably in March, mid-March, when you're in the dog days of the season rolling uh, into the stretch, that so you're looking back and hoping that you put those two points in the bank back in January and you're going to be thanking whoever you'd like to thank <laughs> at that point that uh, that you know you've got those wins in the bag and uh, this game this weekend is just huge for so many reasons so um, this will be your opportunity you can do a little ticket plug here for uh, for what's up this weekend yeah for sure we still have uh, a lot of great seats available in the lower bowl you can call the Toronto Rock office at 416-596-3075 and we'll be uh, able to get you set up it, it is looking like a, it's going to be a good crowd though we got the COBT night going on and uh, a lot of people coming to the building a Saturday night after uh, you know a big bye week after a big win there sorry and uh, upper bowl student tickets around as well $16 get you in the building to see some of the best lacrosse players in the world how do you get those student night tickets, Kyle? The student night tickets, they are available online on our website. Uh, you can go fit. Uh, there is a link there for the student night tickets. You would essentially fill out uh, so fill out the form required, and uh, we'd get those t- tickets to you accordingly how you uh, select that form. So don't hesitate to go to torontorock.com and get your tickets. All right, so before we go, we're going to uh, <clears throat> play a little game here. 
and uh, Kyle's going to be the one that's going to decide these guys' fates. So it's a popular game, but we've kind of adjusted it to the sports side of things. It's a little more G-rated as well. Um, we're going to call it here short-term, long-term trade. So I've got uh, three trios of players, and Kyle's going to decide. He's got to sign one of these guys short-term, commit to one of these guys long-term, one guy he's trading or releasing. We'll say trade. We'll, we'll play trade. Here. So short-term, long-term trade. Are you ready for this? I'm ready for it. Looking All forward right. to it. So the first trio of guys, we've got Dane Smith, Curtis Dixon, Sean Evans. Short-term, long-term trade. Well, all three great players, first and foremost, there. Um, I'm going to start with long-term, and uh, I'm going to go with Dane Smith. A uh, couple reasons. Coming off a massive year last year, leading the league in, in, in points for Buffalo there, was a force from game one all the way through, uh, right to the championship finals there where they lost, but uh, he was uh, the cog of that team. Like I said, age, and uh, I think a guy you could build a, build a team around for, for many years to come. Short term, I'm going to go Sean Evans. Oh. I've uh, <laughs> you know watched him play a lot of lacrosse over the years in summer with Peterborough. Uh, you know even going back to his NLL career, starting in Roch versus Toronto. Um, big game player. I think he uh, you know a little older than Dane, but still got a lot left in the tank, and uh, I think can still bring a lot to an offense as well. It started a little slow this year, but I expect him to be right there in the you know the top leaders points wise at the end of the year. Trade Curtis Dixon. Uh, my my reasoning is, you know, he plays out west. I don't get to see him enough. But uh, <laughs> say, saying that, uh, from what what from what I do see, obviously, great player, Superman. I believe they call him out there. Um, you know, I don't know if he. I could be mistaken here, but I don't think he's won a national championship in the league before, has he? Um, you know, a little older than Dane as well. Obviously, great great offensive righty, but uh, you know. You have to answer the question the game provides, right? So uh, I'm gonna. That's right. So trade. this is gonna be the part where you still gotta pump the guy's tires. Yeah, you're saying, exactly. I don't want him, exactly. but I still gotta pump his tires a little bit. All right. So moving on here, this is a tough group, I think, a really tough group because you've got three guys who are three of the premier defenders in the league. They all play for the same team, and they're all they're fairly close together in age, really. So you've got short-term, long-term trade. Ryan Delks, Chris Corbeil, Kyle Rubish. Spicy. <laughs> that is a spicy meatball for sure. Um, and, it, and it's tough. I've, uh, you know, I know Corbeil and Rubish personally played uh, played a little bit with them in Brampton. So got a little bit of ties to those guys. But like you said, all three great players. Uh, I'm going to start long term here. I'm going to go Chris Corbeil long term. Uh I've watched him, you know, grew up playing with him a little bit, watched him mature in this league. He's wearing a captain. He can provide great leadership. Wearing the C on the back-to-back defending champions teams there. And uh, that guy's a machine. I watch him, you know, how he trains, how he takes care of his body. I think he's going to be around this league for a long time and and could and still be very effective into his older age within the term of this league here. Next one's real tough here. Uh, short term, I'm going to go Kyle Rubish. He's, he's a beast, and I think he can still dominate a game defensively today. Um, you know, if you 
are going out in a one-game situation and you need to shut down one of the top players in the league, he might be the guy, like he could be the guy you're going with to to cover that guy for the night and and feel very confident in his ability to shut that uh, individual down. So I think he would be uh, a great player to keep short-term and, and help out this team. And unfortunately, that leaves uh, Dilks uh, to be traded. Um, again, great great player. He was uh, if he did he won the defensive player of the year last year correct so i mean i could be totally offside with these picks here but uh you know still a great player but uh, again you have to pick the uh, play the game and we will say that you decided to go with Corbiel and Rubish. Yeah, Those are the guys you for sure. And I uh, former teammates said that for right. the start there as well. So. <laughs> All right, so now so we've gone with uh, three O guys, three D guys. So the goalies, short term, long term trade: Matt Vince, Evan Kirk, Nick Rose. All three great goalies as well. Rose and Kirk in the goaltender of the year, uh, you know, ballot last year with Dylan Ward. Short term here, just going down the list that you uh, you named those. Short term, short term, I'm going to keep Vink. I think, uh, you know, he's a big game player. He's got a great pedigree in this league. He's won championships before. And uh, going back to, you know, short term, we're talking one playoff run, one season, one one game, I think he could come in and solidify that goaltending spot for you and get you where you need to be. So before you say this, this is actually interesting. So you've already committed to Matt Vince short term. So you've got long term or trade between Evan Kirk and Nick Rosen. Isn't it interesting? And I didn't even set this up this way, but those two guys were teammates in junior and the Orangeville Northmen traded Evan Kirk long-term <laughs> Nick wow. Rose like for life here. All right. Yep. So long-term and trade Evan Kirk, Nick Rose. And uh, just me personally here, I'm gonna, you know, take the same footsteps the Orangeville Northman did there. And uh, going down the list, I'm going to have to trade Evan Kirk. Um, great goalie. You know, New England had a great year last year. I think he was a big part of it. Um, but uh, obviously at that time, Orangeville saw something in, in Rose that they did like and and being part of the, the organization here and maybe seeing him a little bit more than some of the other goalies. But uh, I think he's coming into his own as a starter, as we mentioned, was in the goaltender of the year, you know, conversation last year. And he's off to another great start this year. And long term, I think he'd be a great fit for obviously the Toronto Rock and any team I was uh, was putting together. there. So I'm going to keep Rose long term and trade Kirk. All right, so there you have it. That's our first edition of short-term, long-term trade. We're going to kind of come up with some other fun stuff to do here uh, each week on the podcast, but there you go. So feel free to uh, tweet at us, at Toronto Rock Lacks, if you've got your own take on uh, short-term, long-term trade, or if you've got a suggestion on three uh, three guys that you want to uh, throw in the mix and maybe throw it uh, KD here and put him on the hot seat. He'll have to figure out uh, who he's signing long-term, who he's signing short-term, and who he's deciding to trade. So we're uh, going to start to wrap up this show, but uh, we do have to thank Nick Rose and Jamie Dowick for stopping by. But uh, we do have to remind everybody also, the big game this Saturday night, the Rochester Nighthawks, Toronto Rock. Uh, of course, the Rock 2-0, and the Rochester Nighthawks coming in at 1-2 and and off a pretty one-sided loss at the hands of the Saskatchewan Rush last week. And as we've mentioned, the Rochester Nighthawks probably getting a little bit of a boost from a couple of guys back in the lineup. So having said all that, a uh, let's have a score prediction. We'll both throw this out. Uh, KD, score prediction Saturday night. Score prediction. And it's funny you ask. We usually do that in the office internally here, <laughs> yourself and I. So... Uh, 
With them back in the lineup, I do expect them to put up more than five than they did in the first first game there. That's a bold prediction. Yep. All right. So uh, I, I'm going to call a Toronto win, though. I, I see them – I don't see them stopping the transition game and, uh, you know, Toronto just continuing to the role they have. I'm going to go 13-9 Toronto. 13-9. Now – all right. Well, I am going to go with the Toronto win, of course, here on the show. It's probably there probably won't be too many weeks when we predict that the Rock will lose. However, um, I'm going to go with. See, I I was in Buffalo on Saturday night, and I saw the number of goals that were scored in that lacrosse game, 21 to 15. I I do have to be honest. I left when it was 18 15. Uh, in favor of the Bandits, I didn't think uh, Vancouver was making a comeback at that point with a little over five minutes to go. Turns out I was right there, but 10-8 at the half. I mean, when there was 18 goals scored, I I just think we might be in for a very high-scoring game on Saturday night. I am going to say 17-13 Toronto. 17-13 Toronto. That's what I'm going to stick with here. I, I just think we're in for a real high-scoring one for – for whatever reason, I don't know. I don't think we're going to end. Here's my other prediction here. We will see three of the four goalies in the game will get into action. Someone's getting pulled. Someone's getting pulled. You have to. It's 17-13. Yep. I can't predict. <laughs> Chances are one of the coaches is going to say, all right, we've seen enough of one of these guys at, at some point if we're getting into those kind of numbers. Uh, we do have to uh, send our best wishes out to Bruce Barker, who will not be on the mic this weekend. Uh, I will be taking over the PA duties again for the second week in a row. Um, talk to Barks, actually. It sounds like he's doing great, and uh, we hope to have him back very soon behind the microphone at Air Canada Centre. So um, all our best going out to Barks and wishing him a speedy recovery. Uh, of course, suffered a stroke over the Christmas holidays, so that's why he hasn't been around uh, the ACC just yet this season. So we're all looking forward to him getting back uh, very soon. Very soon. It's been, a, it's been a fun ride so far. I've done one game. On the PA so far, the Air Canada Centre was fun. I don't think I made too many mistakes, no, but there was one sure. that seems there, to be riding with me a there little was, bit. Uh, there was that power play call yeah. I have to bring up there, but uh, other than that, I thought you did a great job, and uh, I look forward to hearing you back at it again this weekend. Thanks. I'll try to get the power plays right, but of course, there's a few guys that haven't been out. Like Dan Lintner was all over me Saturday night after the game about every time he walked by, he asked if uh, we were on the power play, so he can... Uh, bottle that up this week and uh hopefully he's back in the lineup coming coming off the suspension last week so that'll about wrap up the first episode of the toronto rock total access podcast we hope you enjoyed things uh make sure to tell a friend about it and uh follow us uh on twitter facebook etc we'd love to hear your feedback on the show so in the meantime and in between time the old sign off is back in the meantime and in between time for kyle davis i'm mike hancock saying we will chat next week Stop the rock. Stop the rock.